0: Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah Podcast. I am your host, Ben Yenny, and uh, with me today is Manny Serrano, who is the f- former host of the uh, Filmmaking Sucks podcast, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, current executive director of the Long Island Film Expo, International the- Film Expo
1: um technical director yeah technical director of long island international film expo yes
0: okay cool well thank you very much for joining us um today i think we're going to talk a bit about genre because it is spooky season Mm -hmm. and we're also going to talk about festivals and how to play in them and how to get the most out of them from somebody who is a technical director of a film fest so manny how did you end up as the technical director
1: um, I honestly don't know how it happened. It just kind of happened. Um, uh, the festival has been, uh, the festival just said, we just ended our 26th year and mm-hmm. in 2019 or so, I started talking to Deborah Markowitz, who is the. Uh, who's the president of the board the festival is run by the long island film and television foundation and she's the president of that board deborah was also the film commissioner of nassau county for 35 years or so and uh she ran the festival and um after 20 ish years of doing it you know they started to look toward the future and realize they can't do this forever obviously you know but they also don't want the festival to die so um somehow along the way uh of being a fa- being a filmmaker I attended the festival been there and met Deborah at other festivals and my myself and my wife Lindsay who was also the co-host of filmmaking sucks with me um mm-hmm. became friends with uh, with Deborah and her husband John and they run the festival with Anne and Henry Stamfel, who owned the movie theater that the festival is at and uh they kind of started discussing with us about you know in the future when it's time for them to go they want some they want people to kind of take over and that kind mm-hmm. of became uh our our conversation and uh that that's how we got brought on to them uh and coincidentally in 2020 uh we moved to long island Uh, We always lived in Queens. It was a conversation Mm -hmm. that had been going back and forth for a while. As soon as we moved to Long Island, within a month, Deborah contacted us and said, okay, you guys are here now. You're officially (laughs) local to the festival. You know, what do you think? So they brought us on and uh, we've been with the festival since, um, since 2021 was our first year officially with the festival.
0: That's a weird
1: time to start. Um, Were Mm -hmm. you guys doing in person? or uh 2020 they did a drive-in okay Our festival, the festival's in july so they closed submissions in february of 2020 so by the time they closed submissions everything was still open the lockdowns mm-hmm. hadn't begun yet so uh lockdowns everything started shutting down in march or so and they'd already started accepting films they'd already started contacting people and it's like well we have to do something and most festivals went virtual and they did create a virtual component for the festival, but Mm -hmm. uh, they really wanted to do something in person. Uh, So they came up and they, they figured out how to do a drive-in and they did a drive-in in in late July of 2020. And then 2021, we were in person because Nassau County was open. Okay. Um, We had restrictions. Um, Basically the fire marshal was with us, was there and checking the capacity. I think the, I think at the time the theater could only be fifty percent capacity, and um we also rent out uh we have the fireman's lounge fireman's uh exempt hall, which is mm-hmm. next door to the theater and we use that as our filmmaker's lounge and we have panels and q and a's and everything in there all week long and meeting and networking and interviews and everything uh so yeah we we had to keep we had to, we, everybody had to be masks and we and we had to keep track of you know how many people were physically in the room mm-hmm. but we were able to do an in-person festival in 2021 um so yeah it was it was weird to come on at that time but i also think it was almost i feel like it would work to our benefit coming on then because everything kind of had to be scaled out we we were able to um me, uh, Lindsay and i were able to slowly come into the festival it was Mm -hmm. you know like half capacity as normal you know as it would have been a normal thing so we were able to learn things a little easier you know while it was a little bit more stressful trying to you know deal with those rules uh Mm -hmm. i I think that it gave us the freedom to kind of all right we can we can come in slowly we're not just thrown into the super thick of it uh full full full-blown festival so i did i do think that that worked in our favor that yeah no i mean
0: I've done a fair amount of events mm-hmm. um, in my day, generally around the business of film, not really on the uh, consumer end, which is really what more more of what a festival is. Um, mm-hmm. But having that time to scale before you're in front of a sold out audience yep. is dramatic and uh, it, it just makes everything significantly easier. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And it also allowed us some freedom to kind of bring in a little bit more of our ideas and where we want to bring the festival you know mm-hmm. uh in in the future uh so it it I, I felt like i felt like while the pandemic was not preferred <laughs> it was definitely well, so not a preferred situation it gave us an opportunity to kind of reset and look mm-hmm. at well what what of the festival do we feel that like mm-hmm. not of not, not that the festival needs to improve but festivals as a whole What do we always feel like we've been missing being, you know, uh, um, filmmakers at festivals for, you know, over the past decade or so, what do we feel is missing? Uh, And what what do we want to see out of it? And that was able to, to, you know, we were able to implement some some of our ideas a little easier. Nice. So what are some of those changes you made? Uh, Uh, Well, uh, one of the things that the festival really has going for it always has been going for it is the filmmakers lounge that mm-hmm. we have that space next door to the theater. That's open all day throughout the whole week of the festival. So people can always um, network and meet and, Oh, and they're always there. We have a, we have a a, a, bar, a beer and wine bar as well. So it's always a casual thing. And um, they, over the years, they had panels in there and then some years they didn't, some years they did. Well, they've always had panels, but some years they had more than others, you mm-hmm. know. And uh our big thing was really trying to give a reason for the filmmakers to be there and always be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a festival and you want to meet other filmmakers. Mm-hmm. really you know that that's that's your that's your main i feel like besides obviously besides showing your film off <laughs> besides finding your audience but to meet other people for collaboration and mm-hmm. we felt like it was a huge opportunity as had hadn't been going to that festival ourselves for years we usually spend most of our day hanging out in the filmmakers lounge and there were the natural lulls where, mm-hmm. all right, it'd be two, three hours where it was kind of empty. And then a panel would come and people would show up maybe a half hour before the panel, maybe a half hour after. And then things would kind of mm-hmm. peter out again until the next one, you know? So, uh, the good, the good part of that is it gives the festival staff a bit of a break, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I felt as a filmmaker that there could have been more to that. And unfortunately for us, uh, we're trying to keep it full all the time. So unfortunately we don't get that break that's there anymore. <laughs> um, but it keeps filmmakers there. It gives them a reason to stay at the festival. I, we had attended Fantasia and Frontiers, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, the, the the film market in 2019 as well. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring more of that type of atmosphere to the to the festival Uh, frontiers always had something going on. There was always another attraction for filmmakers, another way of getting them to either be in the room with each other or be in the room with a producer or a financier or a Mm -hmm. distributor or something. And that's what we're, what we, what, what, that's I think that's the only element that's missing at the festival right now. They used to be there years ago and you know, over time, you you know, connections get lost, uh, not like in a negative way, but over time, you know, things change and people, different people run, run, you know, companies and then all oh, they don't want to do those same events that they used to. So I want to try to bring that back to it because Deborah always brought uh, the industry to mm-hmm. the festival and we want to try to bring it back again. I, I think a big part of that is just that over the years, so many festivals have popped up Mm -hmm. you know i I mean i'm gonna say when they started they were probably maybe one of 10 in the immediate northeast region now they're probably now we're probably one of 100 i would be surprised if it's that low exactly yeah you know northeast but yeah yeah. well you know the general like hour Mm. hour distance driving you know i'm gonna say there's maybe 100 festivals yeah, at least, right. and I know at least five or six others that are within us that are maybe within six weeks of the festival. You
0: I mean, know, they tend to cluster a lot. Like all the they genre do. fests are in the fall. Like, yeah, full stop. It's it doesn't totally make sense to me, but um. yeah,
1: it's. I, I think that. um I mean, we're all genre. We have genre blocks, but we are all genre for mm-hmm. for long. We have a we have our own smaller. Uh, horror horror only short film festival which is scared for your life as we're long Island mm-hmm. international so we're life and this horror festival is scared for your life uh so that's ours mm-hmm. in october mm-hmm. uh, and that's um but uh life has always had uh, a genre block, a horror block, mm-hmm. and that was always very popular and eventually we expanded it out uh they started it as a kind of like an invitational one night festival, and now it's ballooned into its own uh into its i mean it's still it's still a single night but uh now it's full you know awards and submissions and everything
0: fest that makes sense i mean like speaking as a distributor um mm-hmm. there are only so many uh festivals that it actually makes sense for us to try mm-hmm. to really submit and hype because mm-hmm. we just like once you get beyond about your uh three beyond your territorial premiere at some point you start to cannibalize your own audience. Yes. And that is a uh, okay. something that every filmmaker has to be aware of, but you also have to be aware of where you should target that premiere and what, I guess, soft benefits there might be to attending a particular genre festival, as in, like, uh, you're probably not going to find meaningful distribution out of most genre festivals. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, yeah. but um and hopefully life is moving towards that goal um because i think that's kind of the biggest mismatch between filmmaker expectations and the realities of film mm-hmm. festivals is that you're probably not going to find distribution yeah but um the big thing is just prioritizing which festivals you actually attend as a filmmaker and having some of those additional services like what you're talking about with the filmmakers lounge i think would make a big difference for most filmmakers yes. um and it's also really interesting to hear your perspective given that you started just as a attendee mm-hmm. um or a uh filmmaker a featured filmmaker yeah for this and you've kind of grown to a significant role maybe not exactly taking it over but pretty close to it
1: yeah
0: um the so first of all kudos on that transition and second I'm going to be really interested to see what you guys do in uh 2024 and onward now that things
1: are actually opening up again. Um yeah, this year this year we did really well. Uh mm-hmm. the festival was in July. Um we did really well. It was one of our highest attended years ever. Mm-hmm. One nice. of uh, like in the top 5 or so. Uh we don't have the full numbers back on it yet, but it was one of the top 5. Um and I think that Uh, what's what besides first off, first off, even the theater owners are saying people are starting to come back to the theaters. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're seeing, they're seeing the regular attendance go up, which is, which is great to hear as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think that filmmakers are starting to now come back and they're starting to get more comfortable with being in person again and being around each other. Um, So um, to kind of speak to what I uh, 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 like, the, the, the things that we added to the festival, we've added more of those sorts of events, which is exactly what I think, gets filmmakers
0: mm-hmm. um
1: that exposure and that that they want to be in front of each other and be around each other my first feature film i found dist- i got distribution when i was at macabre fair we didn't play at macabre fair film festival that year but i met rob housechild of wild eye releasing mm-hmm. met him there and uh there's it's actually really funny uh one of the actors in the film he had a film screening there Uh, at macabre fair that day and there is a photo of them while they're screening from like he he stood up front and took a picture of the audience when he Mm -hmm. was doing the q a and there's a picture and in that picture is me and rob standing in the back of the room negotiating the deal (laughs) (laughs) for for our first feature uh my second feature i met um oh man his name is escaping me and it's gonna it's gonna um Oh, it's killing me that I can't think of his name. But I met him, I met uh, uh, another producer at the First Contact Film Festival, mm-hmm. and they had a film screening there. Um, so I spoke to him. I said, "Hey, we, me and we 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 screened back to back. We had very similar themes." So I talked to him. I knew that he had distribution already, so mm-hmm. he got me in contact with his come with with uh, his distributor. So and I ended up getting mm-hmm. distribution through ITN from that. Okay, so- through Stewart. yes yeah yeah um i can't remember the the filmmaker's name though i it's Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh and then the third one i got i had a sale for for the third film we went through a sales agent so that had nothing to do with uh film festivals Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: um i've found those relationships with film with 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 producers and distributors at festivals and that's and i think that's uh, that that it's because those festivals cultivated that, uh, that atmosphere, you know, so we do things now. Um, I want to, ch- I want to try and bring in a, a, a producer's type of uh, networking event for filmmakers to meet producers and distributors or something. We mm-hmm. brought in the DP expo where we have local cinematographers actually bring their camera rigs, to the room and they set up everything and it's just an open meeting forum. Everybody just walks and talks and, you know, exchanges information for like three, four hours. And the room is packed the whole time. I saw that at one festival that they did it and it was uh, sponsored by, I think, Nikon or Tiffin. So it was a lot of big, mm-hmm. you know, big, big name um, like equipment there. And it was cool to stand and play around with it. Uh, so we kind of took that idea and said, well, what if we did that with cinematographers You know, and that gives people a reason to be in the room. One big thing that I've noticed a lot of filmmakers, a lot of people in general, when you're meeting people, it's hard to just walk up to someone and start talking.
0: Yes, I was actually (laughs) trying to figure out a question around exactly that. So Uh,
1: to just walk up and start a conversation is it's hard, it's awkward, it's weird, you know. Uh, So we're trying to create events like that that break the ice before you even walk in the door. So here we have six, seven tables of people standing here with big camera rigs and steady rigs and uh, 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 dollies and everything set up. And it's just you just stand there. You look at it and say, what's that? That's it. Conversation started.
0: Yep. No, that makes sense. Uh, Like when I did uh, more community events around uh, the film business and the industry in San Francisco, one technique I'd use um, to get conversation started is just the very beginning of the day. Um, literally everybody in the room went around and had 30 seconds to introduce themselves, Mm -hmm. name what they do. And then random question, um, that is a complete non sequitur. What'd you have for lunch as an example, or what's the last movie you saw in a theater, things like that, that you can answer quickly, but also tell you something about yourself. And also if it's a little silly, it helps break the ice in the room. So that's, that's just one thing I did. Um, but uh, if you do end up doing that uh, producers expo or whatever you want to call it, um, let me know. I'm only in Philly, so it's not that hard to get to cool. Long cool.
1: Island. But um, it yeah, was. It, go ahead. Uh, it was. It was another thing that I had f- seen at Frontiers. Um, I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. been. I'm assuming you've been to Frontiers. Uh, uh, you have been I to AFM. Haven't. No. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so Frontiers does that as well. They stress throughout the course of the week. Um, mm-hmm. to no, this is not for deal making. We're no nothing. Nothing is set in stone. Don't worry. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. We're no, we here to get you in the room with each other. Mm-hmm. And they would do each day was a different. Day. I think one day was a producer's day. One day was distributor's day, and I think one was uh sales mm-hmm. agents. Uh, I believe it was. But basically, what they did was like um distributors. Uh, we called it distributors speed dating. They had. 10, 10 or 12 tables in the room and each table had 15, 15, 10 or 15 chairs at them. And mm-hmm. at each table was someone representing a different distribution company. So like Lionsgate was here, IFC was over there, You know, every table had a different person. And every 15, 20 minutes or so, a bell rings and everybody gets up and moves to the next table. And the point is for the distributor to stay at the table and every bunch of new filmmakers sit down and now the distributor pitches themselves to you. And say, here's the types of films we're looking at. Here's the budgets we work with. Here's all the information you need to know whether we are the right place for you. Same thing for producers and um, and sales agents. So it's all about them telling filmmakers what it is they do and what they're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. um, another really huge benefit of that is uh, Frontiers. You get the contact book. I've ever, so you did, there's a book it's, it's Mm -hmm. vetted. You pay for it. I think there's something like only 250 uh, attendees each year, approximately. Mm -hmm. Um, And you end up getting a booklet that has all the information of everything from the week. And it has everyone who's part of that, their contact information. That includes Mm -hmm. yourself. If you're one of the attendees, you're in there as well. And you have a little, and you have a little bio in it. And the benefit of this is now you have officially met these people you have their contact information. You have spoken to them about what they're looking for and what you might have. You are officially no longer you are solicited.
0: Yes. You are no longer a uh, unsolicited email, which ends up in the spam box, which is gigantically valuable. Really? Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, So that's the sort of thing I would like to bring something in that realm to the festival in the future, but I know that's a, that's kind of a big undertaking to get a bunch of distributors. Oh, yeah. In getting, future. especially getting <laughs>
0: the level of which you're
1: talking about. There. Oh yeah. Like, I, I, it's I,
0: a, yeah.
1: That's, it, that's a monumental task. And that's a question of whether or not we want the festival to be that big in the first place,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: that's front Fantasia and frontiers. They are, you know, they are top 10 festivals in the world. Oh yeah. You know, um, But I'd like to bring that type of atmosphere to the low-budget indie
0: filmmaking. I think it's very easily something you could do. Like I know Rob is based in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, And I know uh, there are several in the Northeast. Like, a lot of the names you actually mentioned um, for the big boy distributors, they have reps in New York, proper. Um, The, uh, like... I think you mentioned like like some of the names you mentioned are actually headquartered out of New York. So yes. there's yes. it's very possible for you to attain those just out of proximity. Mm-hmm. The big question is how do you actually capture these people's interest? Because that I don't know. Yet. Yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know people at most of those places.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Would they come out to the long island international film expo because i asked them to probably not um the uh which is unfortunate because i know pretty much everybody's looking for certain types of genre content yeah
1: right now so um yeah well that's why i say i I, Mm -hmm. it's something i'd like to bring i'd like to bring that feeling of the atmosphere whether it's a matter of actually having those companies there to do that sort of thing again that's a it's a big undertaking it's a big ask so i don't know if we can actually but that's the atmosphere i want to bring where filmmakers feel like they can this this festival is a place to go to move themselves forward you know um i do feel that like even myself like as much as I would love to be on an IFC, uh, have a film on IFC Midnight, I don't feel like I work on that budget level yet. On that budgeting, I, I just don't feel like I'm personally there yet. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I've made three feature films and each one of them has cost around $20,000. You know, so yeah. unless unless I'm making Blair Rich Project, you're not making a movie for 20000 that's going to be on IFC Midnight. It's just very, it's very, very rare, few and far between. That's the dream but... You are correct. It's not, unless it's you're not making, reality.
0: Yeah, unless you're making Skinnamarink uh, Paranormal
1: Activity or... Uh, which Blair is... Which, yeah, Skinnamarink yeah. Is, uh, got picked up by Bayview, who is our third distributor. <laughs>
0: uh, not exactly. Skinnamarink was bought by Mutiny Pictures at the same time we were being acquired by Bayview. Okay. So okay. Uh, that's... I, I know that one personally. Gotcha. But yeah, it's a... Uh, it is it, Bayview did end up taking most of that, but there was some other things on the mutiny end that I personally did on that film. Okay, um, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, no, it, it's not well publicized. Okay. Um, but the uh, I didn't do a ton, which is why it's not well publicized. It was mainly the uh, uh, it was mainly the initial acquisitions past the the decision to pick it up and the initial round with IFC of okay. negotiation. That was yeah.
1: Nice. So um
0: Yeah. yeah I, didn't know, are... I didn't know
1: how that when I just I had yeah. just signed with Bayview and like a month later or so they were promoting Skinema Rink. I was like, wow, that's that's crazy because they they didn't mm-hmm. really have films that got anywhere near that big. Yeah,
0: no, that is uh that was unexpected. it, it got more traction <laughs> just, than we thought it would. It's, it's a good film and I'm not I'm not dogging it. It's mm-hmm. just a uh Nobody ever, nobody in the industry, in the industry ever expects to be a part of that
1: big an outlier. No, basically. No, that was, so, yeah. it was yeah. its own thing. I think that's what yeah. pushed it. It was so unique and so different. There was nothing else like that. Yeah. You know? Very true. Um, like, I don't we, even know how yeah. you guys considered to market a film like that. I couldn't even begin like watching a film. How the hell do you promote this? You know, IFC <laughs> made
0: all the difference. Yeah. That, frankly, that was a, uh, IFC and shutter um between Mm. yeah just between the team there they were uh, they really enabled that film to be the success it has been i think exactly what i told the filmmakers when we took it was there's something about this Mm -hmm. i have no idea how we're going to market it yet we're going to have to figure that out basically so looks like and ifc did which i'm ecstatic Caught lightning so, in a bottle, and yeah. and I think
1: I think that's something that filmmakers mm-hmm. need to learn as well. That that is lightning in a bottle, you know. Um, it you, in the last in the last twenty years, the movies that have done that you can say are Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, and now Skinnamarink that have been mm-hmm. this super low budget, you know, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar films that have turned into multi million dollar films. Mm-hmm. It is and and each one of them kind of changed horror filmmaking in their own way they brought something brand new to the table you know um mm-hmm. and i think that's what was the key to those success they were something that nobody had seen before you yeah. know, even if other films did exist similar to them it wasn't something that um that um you know a major audience had seen and of course the yeah. other key to that is the companies that they were put that 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 released them you know i mean blair which like pretty much made lion was it, it was Lionsgate, right i think
0: actually i think it was universal i'm not sure might have been was it i don't remember offhand it might okay. have been paramount too um Possibly. i remember somebody took a major it might have even been sony i just remember because i was on a panel with dan merrick um mm-hmm. who uh at the seattle film summit um where and dan was one of the producers of blair um mm-hmm. and he basically said that the only way he was going to get paid from a major studio at the time was that he went into court and held up time a copy of time magazine where he was on the cover having mm-hmm. made the most profitable film of all time and he wasn't getting residuals so yeah. uh that was a pretty good uh piece of evidence i suppose yeah. um the I should have Dan on here. Dan's a good guy. <laughs> are you still making movies or are yes. you
1: just? Yeah. Cool. I mean, the festival's kind of taken over <laughs> a <laughs> lot of my life, the last couple, but uh, yeah, I, I hope to be the goal right now is to be in some level of production of the next one of our next feature by this time next year. So I'm working on script ideas right now. And hopefully, hopefully by the end of the festival next year, we can go right into the next feature.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a um, I'm pretty sure, you know, most of what I do is more around distribution and finance Mm -hmm. and sales and all of that. But I had the pleasure of being on set for Tim Travers and the Time Traveler's Paradox this last December in uh, 2022. And it did kind of light a fire on me to get Mm. back on sets, even though I am a producer. And you kind of don't want executive producers on set generally yeah. if we're there it's a bad thing um unless we're either meeting a celebrity or there for a really big explosion or uh guiding studio <laughs> Bring <visit. the> insurance <laughs> yeah basically it's anything like that it's the uh we kind of have to deal with that and it's more just on the studio visit thing it's i would if it was a uh scene where one of the actors had modesty concerns I would not be there nor would any studio exec it's mm. just a, uh, I, I if it's my set I at all yeah. I wouldn't let it but uh, it's more just a as everybody here knows being on set is like being on the factory floor it can be dangerous if you don't actually pay attention and know what you're doing and oh, that's why you need somebody who's got a little bit more of their water legs mm. out there helping with the studio visits yes yeah um but anyway i uh actually met that filmmaker through the seattle film summit as Mm. a part of i think he was one of my initial one-on-ones that i did for that summit um where basically i would have a 15 minute meeting with a single filmmaker about drumming up new f- business for me and just providing value for them basically. Mm-hmm. So it was a uh, very good model that is, that I think is a faster is a, is a much more attainable level for smaller festivals to get started at, as opposed yeah. to the big speed dating thing. Mm-hmm. Cause um, those I was able to get 10 or 12 meetings out of and, I got nice. a couple clients, and that's basically why somebody like me goes is to find new and ta- find new talent, find new movies, yeah. find new everything. And it's not just filmmakers who want to sell their completed film. The distributors also need completed mm-hmm. films to oh, yeah. run their business. So it can be very mutually beneficial. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't have a comment for that i I just agree it's like that's it. <laughs> it's it's yes, I just realized I'd been talking for a minute, so it's I fine. tried to stop um but the uh so you make uh so you said there's genre pictures at this film fest mm-hmm. are there uh is it just horror or are there action movies or what um, sorts of genres are we talking about?
1: Uh, they've generally had a horror film, they've generally had a horror shorts block, that is with, with, they've always called the Scared for Your Life block, uh, mm-hmm. as I said before, that's now its own festival as well, so we, we still have the uh, Scared for Your Life block. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, alright, give you a minute. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um Uh, So we've always had the horror block, the Scared for Your Life block, which, as I said before, moved into its own horror film festival as well. So we still have that Scared for Your Life block, and we do that late night Fridays. Uh, Generally, we try to uh, preface it with a horror feature as well. So we'll have two horror blocks, a feature followed by uh, the Scared for Your Life shorts block. Um, Last year, we started a retrofuturism block on Wednesday night, which is the uh, Thursday night, which is sci-fi. Uh, mm-hmm. this year we at, we happened to get enough good entries where we created an action block and we call that kicking ass, taking names. Um, and we also created the midnight madness block for Saturday night, midnight, which is all just off the wall, unclassifiable, strange, weird, quirky, you know, you don't know what you're going to get type strip, like weirdo mixtape blocks. Um, and uh that has call become... it the weirdo mixtape block that's it it's a weirdo mixtape yeah. that, that's that's the best way to describe it it's a weirdo mixtape of uh just just some of the most unique films that you ever see and it's become one of it's become one of our most attended blocks because uh on top of the mystery of what you're going to get at it um we also i i create a custom scared uh excuse me Mad, midnight madness pin so every attendee gets their own gets a gets a pin that you know for that year and we also have a midnight madness award which the filmmakers have to be in attendance for to in order to be eligible to win in that block and it's a handmade award that I do every year so it's something different uh the first year I made like a little uh a little movie marquee last year i did i did a stack of videotapes. And this year I made an, I made an award out of a couple of a 16 millimeter reels. Nice. And it looked like a giant lollipop. (laughs) Um, But that's another one of those things where I feel like the film festival, especially if you want to stand out as a festival and attract new and interesting and good and really uh, prolific filmmakers, you want to give them a reason to want to be there, you know? And I think that that's one of those types of, blocks that encourages interesting films and encourages interesting filmmakers. And the fact that you have to be there to win an award, it really pushes people. You got to be there and filmmakers show up. I can't tell you how many times over the years, and I'm sure you know this uh, uh, ad nauseum that you go to a film festival and you sit in a short block of shorts of 10, 15. And then at the end of the block, there's two filmmakers standing on stage. (laughs) To speak for, and you just watched 90 minutes of movies and there's only 10 minutes of which spoken for, you know? And as an audience, you're kind of like, oh, okay. uh, uh, You just, all right, great. These these filmmakers are here. Let me hear from them. I, I think that's something else filmmakers need to get through their head. Be at the festival because no matter how good your film is, features aside, no matter how good your film is as a short film, If you are not there to represent your film, chances are the audience forgot about your film the minute they walked out the door. That's if you are there. Yeah. If you are there to represent it and answer questions and speak to people, regular audience members, uh, the average film goer, they want to meet the filmmaker they want to go home and say hey you're not going to believe who i met because at some point in 1991 there is someone who's got a story of when they met kevin smith randomly at some screening and he's been telling that story for 35 years oh yeah no that's a thing like completely
0: agree i like and that doesn't that's by the way, that also goes for people behind the camera or even yes. behind the back office. I still tell stories about how I met Claudia Christian, um, mm. who was the female lead in Babylon 5. Okay, I still tell that story. Yeah. Personally, because it's a really good story that I won't tell on him. But it's <laughs> a... Uh, uh, but it is a really good yeah. story. And also it helps that I'm a giant nerd.
1: See? And, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So and, and, did you lead your action block off with a uh feature or was it all shorts on that
1: one? It's all shorts. Yeah. Okay. It was all short films. Um we did get a, we had a western feature this year okay. <laughs> which was really unique uh, cuz you don't see those very often. Um so, coming so, back. So they are. We get three different yeah. westerns submitted this year, one feature and two shorts. Uh very random that that happened because uh in the in the three years i've been watching i haven't there haven't been any westerns finally there was um i from what i understand there is a there's a studio that opened up somewhere around the new york pennsylvania border area that okay. has a western set uh oh, opened that up sense. sometime in the last year or two and or rather maybe they expanded a Western set in the last year or two. I'm not entirely sure. Um, But this is what um, I found out from another, uh, uh, um, from, I believe, actually my wife found out from, I believe from Greg Lamberson, who runs Buffalo Dreams. He said that there's a Western set that opened up around that Pennsylvania, New York border area. He's like, and it's just got an influx of people who are like, cause it's just so different. It's so interesting and unique look for your film. And I think that might be partially where at least the Northeastern <laughs> uh, influx of Westerns cause to have, to have Westerns come from New York filmmakers is very weird. You know, that's, that's very strange. <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Colorado. So so. I can
0: say Westerns just make all the sense in the world to me, but I I see the disconnect for Mm -hmm. New York and Pennsylvania filmmakers. Really, It would make more sense to make a sequel to Witness. um, It's all about (laughs) the Amish country for those who don't watch old Harrison Ford movies. Um, But the... uh, Yeah, so... I don't know. Also, Amish country is weird. Yeah. It's
1: It's Amish country. (laughs) (laughs) They like it that way. It keeps the riffraff out. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Um,
0: All right. So, what's some advice you would give to filmmakers who want to get the most out of uh, their next film festival attendance?
1: Um, Well, first things first, attend. be there. Um I make a habit of I'm going to say 90% of my submissions are only to festivals that I had plan on attending. Mm-hmm. Uh there's that other 10%. It's like, well, I have to send to tell your ride. I have to send to you know, and it's like I don't plan on flying to Colorado for it, but if I get in, I'm freaking going to because, you know, it you have to be there. <laughs> but yeah. um that's number one uh number two research the festivals you're going to send to and this is a huge this is a huge ask because it takes a lot of work to research especially uh, if you have a feature i assume you're going to send so anywhere between 20 and 50 festivals yeah you know assumption um your average unless you have like a really exceptional film your average film is going to go between thirty and fifty percent acceptance rate, so if you send to fifty festivals, you'd be lucky to get into twenty five and that's normal that would be a lot still yeah, yeah exactly that's normal and that's that's again like you said that's a lot that's on the high on the high end of twenty five festivals for a feature um so plan for ten. <laughs> yeah plan for 10 if you send to 50 that, again high end i'm being generous <laughs> yeah i think that's i think but, 10
0: is a more realistic expectation yeah but i i um,
1: hear what you're saying
0: in terms of plan for the only submit to the ones you can attend
1: which mm-hmm.
0: yeah that makes sense
1: yeah um put your festival your festival run must be part of your budget plan it when you're making the film here's here's what i what i, I, I know a lot of filmmakers okay wait let me step back a second. First off, when it comes to researching your festival, know what you're sending to. You need to know what they want. You need to know what types of films they normally play. Now, that doesn't mean that just because they uh, they gave an award to a found footage film last year that they're definitely going to want a found footage film this year. That doesn't mean that either. No, not at all. In fact, they might not want another found big found footage film this year, you know, uh, simply because they gave the award to it last year. Well, we because festivals realize that the more documentaries you play, the more documentaries you get submitted, the more horror films you play, the more you get submitted because there are filmmakers out there doing that research. So you need to be one of them doing that research as well. You need to know what the festival uh, uh, wants and what they're looking for. So more than the, uh style of the film you need you need to know the genre the feel that they're looking for Uh you have a film festival like genre blast they're looking for unique they want unique different films and it comes in the title genre blast yeah. so if you have a fa if you have a film that literally combines two different genres in a very unique way they're probably the festival for you but if you've made a rom-com probably not if you've made a rom-com with aliens Hey, maybe that's <laughs> you know, or Hong you know, Kong with zombies. I mean, you know, exactly, yeah. you know, uh, they might be looking for that, but uh, uh, so research your festivals and put that money for festivals in your budget before you even begin shooting. No, you're going to put a couple hundred dollars, a thousand dollars or so aside at the end and that's just for your submissions. I can't tell you how many filmmakers I know personally or have met over the years that it's like, well, you know, it's really expensive to submit to festivals, it's really hard. Like you're yes, it is expensive, but did you not consider this when you you spent 5 years making this movie and you didn't spend 5 minutes thinking of how you're going to get it out into the world? That's a common problem. Yes, it's I huge... uh, I I
0: can't tell you how many filmmakers at this point it's it's by proxy thankfully mm-hmm. um who uh say oh yeah my 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 distribution strategy get into Sundance that's never no nope.
1: so many different reasons you're wrong oh, um the, I uh I don't think uh, I think I submitted to Sundance once And I have never since, and I've made dozens of shorts and again, three features I've submitted once. And it's like, I'm not wasting my money on it anymore.
0: I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just kind of where you are. There's, you have, in order to stand a solid chance at any of the, at least top five, maybe even top 10 film Uh festivals, you kind of have to have an inside game. Yes. Whereas you need to know somebody who can bring your film to the attention of a programmer. Otherwise you're just not
1: getting in full stop most of those festivals those films by the time they get there most of them are already spoken for they've already got some level of at at the very least some level of deal being worked out for distribution your feature playing at sundance if you don't have five offers on your table by the time you're there you're doing something wrong oh yeah and i mean there are a shockingly high number
0: of undistributed feature films that come out of even your sundances Mm. that are just like they'll they'll premiere at sundance yep. they won't get a deal and then you'll never and then nobody in the general public will ever hear of them yeah. this is which
1: common. which then makes me wonder how they got in in the first place <laughs> <laughs> like that means that there was a programmer who saw it and said i just love this film and i feel that it deserves a a, a, a platform you know and you want to be one of those films you really do yeah that somebody just, they just love it. and But the fact is not everybody is one of those filmmakers. You know, 99.9% of us are not those filmmakers that are going to send the one in 10,000 films a year that Sundance gets submitted. You have to be the five of that 10,000 that these programmers say, this is unique, you know? Yeah,
0: and it just, and not only that, you also have to hit the mandate right on for yeah. that year cuz each year um SunDance has a certain number of themes that they want to uh yes. emphasize and you have to just hit the lucky stroke of being mm-hmm. in that subset yeah and it's just it's not a solid strategy for you to get distribution mm-hmm. it's just not no sorry i
1: i think something that does um another a piece of advice is go to festivals whether you're playing or not Sundance, something. Let's say you want to break into Sundance, go volunteer, work Sundance, get mm-hmm. to know the other programmers, know the organizers, the 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 festival directors, work the festival, mm-hmm. and you'll learn what they're looking for by being there. You know, I, I I think I think that's something that a lot of film a lot of filmmakers overlook is just volunteer at the festivals are always looking for volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> go go just spend spend a couple of days. Like we have volunteers every year and they just help us check in the filmmakers. They don't do anything anything crazy, but they get to spend the week of you know whichever days they're available just meeting the filmmakers. They help us check them in. The when we have film when we have a, uh, uh, we have an interview corner. And we had somebody, I have it, I don't have it sitting here, but they just hold the hold the clipboard. What's your name? What's your film? And the literal file number of the so that when I edit the interview together, I don't have to search for their name. Just here, there's the file number. This is who's in it. And that's what a volunteer does. You know, or they check in a filmmaker. They give them their filmmaker badge. They here here's your program. These are very simple things that 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 they that they do, but as a volunteer, you get to meet every single filmmaker who walks in the door. You get to meet every director, every producer, every actor. You are there and you are someone that they are looking to speak to because you have information. You have information that they need. Primarily
0: where is the bathroom?
1: Yes. See? (laughs) Yes. Even so, you are someone (laughs) that they need to speak to. So again, that's another way of breaking that ice, Mm -hmm. of getting getting you in conversation with someone you want to meet, someone you want to talk to, someone you might work with in the future. So that's another thing. If there's a festival that's local to you, it doesn't matter how small or how big it is. Volunteer, work the festival, pick a year and go and meet. We, we had for our second feature, I got a lot of um rejections. I got a lot of rejections for that one. You know, I you know, yeah, I think it happens. It, it's like, I, like it, yeah. I think we again we submitted to fifty or sixty festivals. I think we got into five or six. You know? Yeah. Um, but then I spent the rest the next year and a half attending most of the festivals that we didn't get into because i wanted to see what are they looking for what what were we doing wrong what or what what could we have improved on what what essentially what are they looking for there was one short film that i did we did fairly well with i think we had like a 70 percent acceptance rate you know yeah but this was in 2019 it already been almost 10 years at this again targeting the festivals i know what this one's looking for so 70 75 acceptance rate out of 40 45 festivals a center, we got into like 30 or 35 of them i mean but then short. you're
0: also a known entity is another thing there that because you've been submitting for these 10 years and because you've probably submitted to the same one multiple times mm-hmm. probably they not recognize- every year but yeah. um yes they do start to recognize you yeah yeah, it's they, a, they remember you, and they see you get better. Yeah, they do, and it's it's a very similar thing to grant writing. Really, when you're mm-hmm. applying, when you start writing grants, you're going to get ninety five percent declines. But if you keep applying, that rate is going to that win rate is going to inch up year yeah. uh, year over year, and it's kind of the same basic principle here. Like, uh, do you know the name Jim Cummings? Yes, of course. Yeah, um, he got his start his bigger start was around South by Southwest and giving Mm -hmm. a speech at South by Southwest. That was and the reason he got on that stage is he was championed by Ted Hope. Now the part, um, I actually booked him to give an early version of that talk uh, for the Institute for international film finance, Mm. which was like the third event I ever organized in my life and just happened to meet this guy. And we got there. But if you, if, Jim didn't have the South by Southwest speaking gig he wouldn't have eventually gotten Thunder Road into Mm. Sundance and then the feature version a year later it just kind of is becoming a known entity in these spaces is the big thing there and it's something that's I guess this is one reason where filmmakers complain about and just people in general complain about nepotism Mm. and there's decent reason to complain about nepotism but the just people wanting to pay it forward to people that they've known for a while i'm not i have a little bit of a harder time being annoyed about that personally
1: yeah and that's it it, well because like you said he went he did the the speaking that's why i say volunteer get them to know you Uh, because another another part of it is that It's a film festival. There is still some level of a business to this. We still have to be able to afford to rent this theater. Yeah. Okay. And uh, while we may not have a sold out screening, every single screening, we may not, sometimes we may not even close to it. You know, we still have to afford this. So one of those um, considerations is plain and simple. Is this a local filmmaker that we know is going to show up and sell five tickets? If we have two films that are neck and neck, these are very close, you know, but this one lives 10 minutes away and they were at the festival last year supporting a friend of theirs. This one lives in Australia. They're probably, it's probably going to go to the local film, huh? And then, yeah, yeah. they may fly in, but we don't know that. Yeah, if they do
0: fly in, they probably don't have much of a local network quite possible
1: you know unless again it's a name that you know yeah but yeah we're uh, uh, on on the business end of it we have to go with the safer bet that the filmmaker who lives one town over and was here last year is going to come this year and since he was here last year for his friend's film they're going to come they're going to come this year with their friend again that's yeah. a great at least we have that um so exact, it's exactly that it's 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 there's the reason for the nepotism is just that it's a safer bet because this is still a business in some some form. We all do this because we love it. We love I love being able to give a platform to filmmakers who wouldn't be able to get it otherwise. You know, I like being able to have that uh, ability to show off a film that may disappear in two or three years, but at least we get to say, "Hey, we we played that this year, we screened that, and this guy or girl." You know, 10 years from now becomes that Kevin Smith, you know, or that Ava DuVernay, or, you know, and they become huge. And we played one of their films when they had just begun. That was.
0: Everybody's looking for those early stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is at least part of why we keep making and distributing and showcasing films. Mm -hmm. It's just why we're in the game if we wanted to make more money we'd sell insurance which don't do there's
1: easier ways of getting rich (laughs) than the film industry
0: (laughs) um (laughs) sorry i'm off on an insurance uh brain thing because i actually did used to sell insurance
1: and there's a very good reason i don't anymore but um We have an insurance. We we do one of our panels specifically because of that. One of our panels is legalities and liabilities. We have an insurance agent and an entertainment lawyer, and they speak and answer questions because I think that that's one of the most valuable things that every filmmaker overlooks is your insurance and your lawyer. Entirely. You need a good lawyer. No matter how well behaved you are, you need a good lawyer in this industry. Yes. It's. Yeah, and we have that panel every single year and it's always well attended and they answer a ton of questions. Oh, I am
0: sure that's very well attended. I yes. mean, that's almost worth me taking the car- the trip up there. Um <laughs> so thank you very much for coming on. Manny. Absolutely. <laughs> um it's been fun. Uh the uh, Now we're going to move on to the three questions I close out all okay. of my guests with. Okay. Um the first question, you can answer second. Because sometimes it takes a second to think. Um, and that first question is, what are your top three favorite movies as it stands right this second now mm-hmm. of all time? Uh, they can change in 10 minutes or even 30 seconds, but what's your vibe on your top three right now? Um,
1: number one is always Creepshow. It's a good pick. Always my top my top film of all time is Creepshow. Um at the moment my two and three uh i'm gonna say altered states okay which is always in my top five as well mm-hmm. and um oh. uh, safe bet texas chainsaw yeah it's a good.
0: <laughs> there's a reason it survives um yeah the, uh, <laughs> but yeah no those are those are good picks um I'm glad that as a horror filmmaker you chose mainly horror movies if not mm. entirely. Um some of my other Halloween interviews
1: have not chosen horror movies and I've been mm. surprised. They legitimately are my my favorite. I yes. it, horror has been my favorite genre my entire life. It's always been it's a it's kind of hard when you put me on the spot to think of something that I love that's not horror. My brain always <laughs> goes to American Beauty. I love American Beauty. I loved that in the film in the theater. But it's like that's that's the best i can think of <laughs> I, it is a good movie it is um
0: yeah it, it's one of like five movies that got me to go to film school really um hmm. uh the biggest one was apocalypse now
1: which okay i'll I, I'll defend um i have not yeah. seen apocalypse now in about 30 years it's i, worth I a have re-watch. Yeah, yeah i i i've been trying to find that the redux blu-ray with like both of them like let me and then watch uh. them you know, that would be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to watch them back to back, but you know, to compare same thing for Blade Runner, I have the the set with all four cuts. and I also haven't watched that in about 30 years. So I'm like, I want to watch them all and see the difference before I go to 2049. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Um,
0: Okay. So second question, if you could go back in time, and uh, give yourself one piece of advice.
1: Mm.
0: What would that advice be, and when would you give it to yourself? And don't say buy Apple stock, don't say what buy Apple
1: stock. No, uh, I think, um, I think. I don't know if I would, but if I'm going to answer it, I I would say I'd probably go back to like the 20 or 21 year old self and Mm -hmm. say, start filmmaking now. Okay. I, I did, I, I, my high school had a broadcasting studio and I learned how to edit and run a board in high school. Yeah. I had a full like half a million dollar broadcasting studio that they didn't do anything with. They built it and then they didn't have a program for it. And they ended up just running English classes out of it. My freshman year of high school had an English class in the stage space. Yeah. Yeah, Ridiculous. But the, and the, the teacher who was in there was also, had never been in that room before. He said they built it two or three years earlier and it's been closed ever since now they're just using it as a, as a teaching space. So he started messing around with things. And again, this is freshman year. And I started messing around. I was like, well, this is really cool. Me and two or three other students became friends with the teacher and started messing around with stuff. So while he had classes in there, we were sitting behind the one way mirror glass playing with the cameras and turning things on and just tweaking, tweaking and playing You a mess. And this is 1994. <laughs> yeah. We're just messing around with stuff. Nobody even knows we're sitting in there. I spent most of my high school time cutting classes, sitting in this room, just messing with this board. Uh, they also had a dark room upstairs and i was uh part of the the one of my art teachers brought back the a photography club and taught how to develop film and all that stuff and then after high school i moved more into music and you had a band and everything but we never went anywhere so my advice would be stop that and just stick with the movies <laughs> you Fair know enough. go, go Although to film you,
0: sooner you look like somebody who was in a band Well, (laughs) I just look like somebody who sang a lot of karaoke and really, hey, way more. Uh, yeah, I, I, I,
1: the music, music is still important. Music was my first love. Yeah, music was my first love. So it's, I'm very. Musically inclined with my films, my film has become this is why I say I probably wouldn't go back and say because I'm such a stickler about the music in my films, and I think that's just because I spent so many years doing it that it's just as important to me as everything else. But if I was gonna say one thing, that would be it start film, start making films sooner rather than waiting till you're 28 years old. That makes sense, you know. Um, cool.
0: So then the last question, hardest question of the three, um. Where can people find you? And what would you be looking for from anybody who might be listening or watching this?
1: Uh well, I mean you can find everything for me. I'm at masgravepictures.com. All of my oh. socials and everything are on there. Uh links to the festival is on there. Um I don't know what I'd be looking for in terms of mm-hmm. what do you mean? As in uh like if
0: an example for you, I could think of is you uh, would be looking for more submissions to uh, the festival. Um, it's the wrong time for that, or mm-hmm. just uh, most of the time people leave that question unanswered.
1: I mm-hmm. ask it just in case there's anything there. So, um, yeah, I can't. I can't think of. I don't. I, yeah, that is. That's a weird question. It's an odd, interesting question. Uh, um, I mean, I'd love for people to come to our festival. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I'm looking for attendees at the festival. Uh, We just we just announced, um, started announcing the films that are playing for Scared for Your Life. That is uh, October twenty first, right? Oh my god! Of course, here I go on the spot, and I'm gonna. (laughs) gonna <laughs> I screwed up right <laughs> yeah it's uh Saturday October 21st yes and I always screwed up because it was because last year was the 27th so the one in the seven just keeps screwing me up uh so it's Saturday October 21st at Huntington Cinema Arts Center in New York um it is a one-night event it's I believe we open doors at 6 30 ish um similarly to how we run life in Huntington cinema arts is all all in one. So we have the movies in the theater and then we have the cafe space where we have horror vendors and we're going to have a Gesso Lantern doing a perform, doing musical performances between films. There's a costume contest. There's the awards ceremony. It's a full on Halloween event. Um, Nice.
0: So so it's a good uh, time
1: to have beyond just films. There's more to do than just watch movies.
0: Cool. Well, uh since that'll be on the twenty first, uh I'll we'll actually drop this the Tuesday before. Okay, so cool. There'll be some ability to uh talk about it and use it to help promote on all of that. Awesome. So um the cool. So thank you very much for coming, Manny. You're always welcome back. It was fun, if nothing else. And thank you. I uh, hope we got hope we got out of it
1: what you were looking for.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what I was looking for which is a standard thing for these. So uh, (laughs) the, um, yeah. So thank you, everybody at home for, uh, watching, listening, whatever you're doing, uh, check out the event on the 21st, the scared for your life. And while, and yeah, so beyond that, just check out my free independent film, business resources pack, which you can get at thegorillarep.com slash resources. It's got a free ebook, free white paper, free investment deck template, uh, contact tracking templates for distributors and festivals, and a whole lot more. Uh, see you next week. And don't forget to hit that bell or hit auto download. Thanks.